Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Mum and Mama podcast, brought to you as always by the wonderful Golding Accountancy, wearegolding.com. How are you? I'm good. I've, um, for the, if you've not listened to this podcast before, hi, thanks for listening. Um, I've got endometriosis and ovarian cysts which are very large and basically I'm waiting to have a full hysterectomy but every now and then I wake up or I get like pain episodes and it's so weird because so I woke up this morning and I didn't have normally it's like someone is twisting my insides I suppose it, I imagine it would be like a Chinese burn, but it just doesn't stop and it's really intense. That's what the pain is like when it's, and that's when it's bad and it's just horrible. But I didn't really have pain. I just felt like my whole stomach was like really bloated and there was just like this weird feeling, but I just look fucked. It's so weird. <laughs> Cause I know I look in the mirror and I'm like, I just don't look like myself. I just, I don't know if it's because my body goes into some kind of, if it's tense or if it's, I don't think I slept very well, so I'm probably tired. Um, but I just feel like, I feel like I look like I've smoked about five joints. Like I just, my whole face kind of just like goes down and my eyes are really heavy. I guess it's because I'm tired, but it's just so weird because even though I don't, touch wood thank god I, the pain's not bad I mean I feel fucked I think my body just well I guess it's just fighting isn't it it's fighting against these aliens I have in me and I so, so I suppose I'm just knackered but I just look I just look weird it's just so because I know that I'm not well because I don't look right it's amazing isn't it it's amazing these little things that because probably to anyone else I just look normal or I might just look a bit tired but to me I just look awful <laughs> but I've also taken them um, some very strong painkillers so I'm a bit like I'm gonna chat a bit <laughs> sorry anyway but interestingly enough so this week I had this lovely woman Vanessa contact me and she's been on the hardcore listing podcast she's part of the mold moldering murdering sex cult which is a hardcore listing thing they're not actually murdering sex people They're just, it's like a joke because if you don't listen to Hardcore Listing, then Chris, one of the hosts, is a, doesn't paint himself ever in a very nice way. 
with his uh, um, behaviours. But anyway, anyway. She went on their podcast to talk about her autistic son and I have to point out that she asked her son to speak about his autism on my podcast. Like she checked everything with him. Um, so she has got his permission to talk about this, him and their lives and everything. Um, but yeah, so she contacted me because she wanted to, she wants to talk about how what it's like to live and bring up an autistic child and also talk about autism in general this was all fascinating. I love learning. And even though obviously I know about autism, I don't really know. I don't know about her experience with it and her son's experience. But anyway, so we chatted for a good two hours because I always do. Um, her, she herself has also come to the conclusion that she's autistic and has ADHD and she's had a hysterectomy because she has ovarian cysts. So I've, I had the best two hours because I learned so much. But anyway, so this I've split this into two parts. The first part is her talking about her son and the her experiences. Like he didn't go to school for about three years. There was an incident. Um, and, I mean, it just sounds absolutely horrific. The failings, how, how good the support is, but also how bad it is and how it just seems to be a lack of communication with anything like this it's like people just don't talk to each other so but yeah it's really interesting so this is the first half she's going to talk about that side of things and then next week she talks about her own experience um with autism adhd and also menopause and hysterectomies and everything yeah so i do hope you enjoy it if there is anything that we discuss that you want to talk to us about or ask us about then please get in touch Vanessa will be more than happy to talk to you. I will um, share a link to her social media. Um, but you can always just get in touch with me and I can put you put your questions to her. But yeah, anyway, enjoy this first bit and I'll see you on the other side. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. 
Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Work. Work. Look, right, what do you think of my sofa? So I got, have you seen those adverts on Instagram for like the sheet things that they put over the oh, sofa? Yeah, oh, yeah. This is what this is. I mean, oh, it, fabulous. It's because um, I had a puppy for a little while. Oh. And she chewed all the corners of yeah. the sofa. And I couldn't yeah. find anything to just stick on the corner. Yeah. Which yeah. you think is not You'd bad. think there'd be something, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 Anyway, and I kept getting these adverts on Instagram, and I'm such a sucker for... <laughs> so am I. Love that. <laughs> Absolutely oh. am. And every time I'm like, don't stop buying it because it's always shit. But I got yeah. them, and... That's they, really funky, though. A bit I like how you've got the matching cushions as well. Yeah. I mean, it's not... My sofas are old. Like, they're yeah. as old as my eldest daughter, who's 11. Oh, but they're great. fine. They're still really comfortable. Yeah. They've obviously started to look a bit. But to get them, my mum and dad got their sofas recovered, and it cost them yeah. about three grand or something yeah. ridiculous. And I was like, you can buy new sofas buy? for that. Yeah. yeah. I, I was like, and I don't, we're not staying here forever. So there's no point buying furniture. Do you know what I mean? So I was yeah. like, what can I do? So and do you know what? While ever the kids are young as well, it's just exactly. not worth it. Exactly. It really isn't. We yeah. wanted wood floors in our living room from moving in. And then we thought about milk stains and Ribena stains and all this stuff. And we literally, my son's now 15 and we got the wood flooring last year. We've been living in this house 20 odd years. <laughs> and it was just a case of, you know what? <laughs> Until we settled. Yeah. <laughs> but it's taken us 20 years to get settled. <laughs> yeah. But it does take a long time, doesn't it? It does. How many kids Absolutely. have you got? Just one. Okay. Yeah. He's 15. He's um sat upstairs actually as we speak. Oh, is he? Yeah. Um is he at yeah. school. Yes, but in his own way. Okay. Um so he's autistic. and has ADHD Um, and school was okay it was never his favorite place to go but it was okay because he was with his mates yeah but as soon as it got to senior school it just all fell to pieces Um, and why did his friends mm, go with him or is it yeah his friends went with him him, but yeah so even from him being very young, we knew change was difficult. Okay. Okay. So we actually chose to send him. This is before we knew anything about what was going on. Yeah. And so we we chose to send him to the big, biggest school in our, in our well, town. Yeah. Because... Um, for example, the junior schools range from the one James went to, which has, in a year, would have roughly 90 to 100 kids. So there'd be yeah. three classes per year, down to one that he could have gone to that has four, <laughs> four in a kids. year. Yeah, four kids. Four kids. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So we purposefully sent him to the biggest ones because yeah. we knew that, to go from from a year with four kids to going to the local senior school, which had two thousand kids yeah. in, yeah, would yeah. just be huge. Yeah. So, 
um, he was struggling at school anyway. He, he, as I say, he's autistic. He has massive anxiety issues. He's also dyslexic. So school was never his easy place. Yeah. So then um, we did everything we could with transitions and he had extra transitions and blah, blah, blah. But basically he went into this massive building of 2000 kids. And suddenly instead of one teacher to get to know him, there was whatever, eight, nine, 10 different teachers. Yeah. And he, with his teachers, really needed to feel like they knew him. Yeah. And that just doesn't happen at senior school. You are literally just a name on a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, whichever way you look at it, the senior school he went to is very academic. Yeah. And James is a bright kid. He just struggles getting things down on paper. Yeah. So he went into Y7, seemed to be coping, and then it got to the back end of Y7 and we started... He was actually ill. He had a, a, a weird anemia thing that meant the last kind of half term of Y7, he was off more than he was there anyway. Yeah. Um, and then when it did get to him going back, just to finish the year off, the symptoms that he was getting due to the anemia, which was now kind of sorted started drifting into tummy aches and headaches and things that you can't test for. Yeah. Now, I've, I've absolutely no doubt that these symptoms were real. Yeah, yeah. Never questioned them because yeah. he's... <laughs> one thing with autistic children is lying is not easy. Yeah. Um, but whether they had a medical background or a stress background yeah different conversation so anyway we get to the end of y7 and i just thought well that's fine he'll calm down over over the six-week holidays and we'll go back y8 will be a new a new leaf i think he managed about two weeks before things began to drop to pieces again and his anxiety was kicking in and and that's when um that's when we knew he, you know, he wasn't coping and we were going to have to start looking at getting the the SEN, the special educational needs team, yeah. more involved than they were. Um, and they did a lot of things to try and help. But a lot of things that they were saying, so the SEN team were amazing. We had um, the SEN teacher, she was brilliant. And his pastoral head of house was fantastic. Um, and we'd have all these meetings and yes, you can do this and yes, you can do that. For example, one of the things they came up with is that he could have a um, sort of little card and it'd have maybe red on one side and, and yellow on the other. And so if the yellow side was up, he was feeling fine and everything was okay. Yeah. But if he needed a break from the class, they basically said, all you need to do is turn it over to red and then just make no fuss, just get up and go and stand outside in the hall for a little while. Yeah. Um, so the first time he did that, his teacher followed him out and went, what the hell do you think you're doing walking out of class? <laughs> so he stood there. He has an incredibly strong sense of justice yep. and unfairness. Yeah. 
But he also, being shouted at and being chastised like that, he just wants the world to open up and swallow him. He hates it with a passion. So he's got all these feelings of, well, she's just shouted at me, but also she shouted at me unfairly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? So trust levels of, well, it's all right if the SEN says this is going to happen, but the teachers won't read the email. The teachers don't know me. Yeah. We'd even done, um, you can get these things called one-page profiles, which you can print off the internet as templates. And it's just kind of, here's a picture of me, here's my name, here's what I like, here's what I don't like, here's how to realise that I'm not coping very well, here's what to do if I'm not coping very well. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just like a little introduction. It was plainly obvious that none of the teachers had read any of those. But I, I don't understand how. I mean, I do appreciate, obviously, in senior school, it's different because they have so many kids. That's the excuse surely, every time. But they must be aware of the kids who do have. What's the right way of saying it? It's not special. Is it special needs or? Yeah, it, it's more SEN kids. So special SEN educational kid, needs. Yeah. yeah. Surely they must be aware if they're going to have a SEN kid in their class, because obviously yeah, that is going to affect everything, isn't it? If, you know. Yeah, but. This is it, you see. What what they when they see that they've got an SEN kid in their class, what they expect is a child that's going to get up, storm around, throw chairs out of windows, and be really disruptive. Okay. Now with James, he does entirely the opposite. He right. shuts down. Yeah. So if I was to say to a teacher, the way to notice that he was feeling uncomfortable not right is when he looks like he's being quiet and doing his work James as a character is quite a cheeky kind of chatty that's when he's comfortable when he's taking the mickey out of you if he's ever cheeky to you that is like the biggest compliment he can ever give you yeah if he takes the mickey out of your hairstyle or calls you a little old lady because he's 15 and that's what he does uh you know that's like (laughs) You know, that, that is, I mean, that's what he calls my mum, is Nanan. He doesn't call her Nanan, it's the little old lady. It's a little old lady coming round today. And that's him. That's, he's such a cheeky little kid, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, look, when he's happy, that's when you're having to just remind him not to talk to his friends. He yeah. needs to get on with his work. That's when he's happy. Yeah. But because he would just literally sit there kind of like looking as if he's writing, it just fade into the background. Yeah. So yeah, then if yeah. he was to suddenly get up and walk out, that was then classed as the bad behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Which is... Anyway, yeah. It's... So... It's an impossible situation, is it? Because... It is. Do they not have people with them in senior school? Do they not have... If they need an aid, do they... Does that so in senior school? To get that kind of help, you have to get what's called an EHCP. So that is granted to you by your local educational authority. Right. It stands for Educational Healthcare Plan. Yeah. Right. So I was told continually, luckily, I had friends. I, I joined a support group for parents with children with an additional needs. So I had all these friends that were like, have you not applied for an EHCP yet? And so I'd go to school, back in junior school even, and say, look, is it worth getting an EHCP for James? And continually they'd go, you won't get one because he behaves himself. Right. 
And because they can't tick the boxes of, yes, he's disrupting the class and, yeah. and doing this and doing that and doing the other, I was always told that I would never get one, no matter what. So, and the EHCP is what then gives, it basically sets out in concrete what your child's needs are yeah. and how the school kind of legally has to deal with them. Okay. So it gives us as parents something to go, look, you're not doing this. Yes. Yeah. And it's set out in his plan. You need to be doing this. And there's okay. no, because that is the, that's the case with so many things, isn't it? This is the criteria that you have to fit. And if yeah. you do not fit that criteria, then you're on your own. And Absolutely. it's like, it, it, you're dealing with people. Yeah. Well, as far as his EHCP co is concerned, um, we did move him to another senior school. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go through how that worked. Yeah. But it wasn't until that year, that SEND teacher turned around to me and said, you do realise you can actually apply for it as a parent. You don't have to rely on school applying for it. And I was like, oh, no, nobody ever told me that. So I then went through this EHCP process, which is a story into itself. I mean, I'm, I'm university educated. I've got a fantastic support group around me. I've got laptops and printers and, you know, I've written reports. I know how to do these things. That damn thing took me 40 hours to fill in. Right? <laughs> and get all the information together that wow. we needed. Exactly. And that's with a group of friends who initially said to me, make sure you keep every piece of paper that is ever sent to you with something on it about James. Because every um, everything you write in that EHCP has to be backed up by something that a professional has said. <laughs> so everything that I had, I couldn't write, well, at home he does this. Yeah. Because if the professional hasn't gone, well, he does that because of he yeah, has anxiety. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what parents think. But how do you get that? How do you get a professional to Right. So let's go back to the <laughs> let's go back to the school story because yeah. it, it's a yeah. So so anyway, this anxiety increased, increased, increased. And eventually So what happened when he got pulled out of the class then? Did he did the teacher apologize? Did no, they nothing, nothing no, got okay. done. Absolutely okay. nothing. Oh really? I don't care about the other 31 kids in that classroom. I care what happens to my child. So yeah. don't tell me it's because the teachers don't know my child. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what you kept getting told over and over and over again. Till eventually his anxiety got to the point where he just stopped going to school. He just wouldn't go. Yeah. As simple as that. So was this and happening I got all to the, the point time then? He, he was this happening all the time? Like yeah. any time that he yeah. wanted to leave? He didn't go getting... to school for three years. Oh, wow. Was that, in year, was that year one that he stopped going? It was year, year, sorry, year eight. Sorry, year seven. Year so eight, part yeah. way okay. through year... Well, yeah, yeah, quite at the beginning of year eight. There yeah. was a little... He had an incident with um, a lad at school that he thought was a friend. And okay. it wasn't a very great thing for him but yeah. this this goes to school not listening so I go into school and say right outside of school this boy did this to my son yeah. he's now terrified of that boy because yeah. he thought it was he was a friend yeah. it also affected him in as much he was as he was questioning every friendship he'd ever had 
because if that lad could do this to him, who he thought was a friend, then of course all his other friends must hate him in the same way. So he suddenly lost all confidence in, in all his friends, all his support network went. So they said, okay, there's nothing we can do about it. That lad has problems of his own, blah, 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 you know, but we'll understand if he's not coming in for a little while. Then they offered us some out of school stuff that he could do. Yeah. Which was going to a climbing wall. And they were taking a certain little group of lads to this climbing wall as part of just like an out of school thing to do. Yeah. So we turn up at the climbing wall. It's taken me two or three days to convince James that it'll be okay. And there was another friend of his going who's autistic and this is going to be fine. I will stay with him. So I'm having days off work to do this as well. Yeah. Third person that gets off the bus as we're sat in the car park. The boy that yeah. gave him shit. I'm like, so do you just not listen to what's going on? It was insane. And of course, after that, that was it. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not doing anything. And it got to the point where... We couldn't do work at home, nothing. It, it, it actually, and I'm sorry if this is a, a trigger warning or whatever, but he did make an attempt on his own life. And that was the point where... How old was he? How old would he have been? Um, was he now 15? 12, 13? Oh, my God. So we'd been talking about not wanting to be around for a, for a while for yeah. well since he was about six really? and we always used to we we didn't try to make a big thing out of it we just kind of took it in that way of you can't explain how big the emotions you are having are at the minute yeah. the anxiety etc yeah. so the only way you know how to do that is to say I wish I'd never been born I wish I could kill myself it would be so much easier if I wasn't here. Yeah. Okay, so we took that as communication. Okay, yeah. But then slowly but surely, and and especially through seniors, or back end of juniors, when, when they started SATs especially, because that ramped everything up a little bit. Yeah. As soon as they started senior school, it would be somewhere between a meltdown and a panic attack at night yeah. as he was going to bed, and it'd be, Mum, just go downstairs and get me the kitchen knife. Just do it. Just go and do it. Because the best thing I can do is slit my throat. Best for everybody if I, if that's what I do. And that would go on for two hours of, oh of an evening. God. Three or four times a week. And this is all through trauma and anxiety from school. Did you get any help? Was there any help? No. I got you? support from my friends and I rang, you know, we went to the doctors, but they were like, I can try and refer him to CAMS, which is Child and uh, Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services. Yeah. But he's not bad enough. That's not bad enough. That's not bad enough. I know I have friends whose children self-harm on a regular basis, and that's not bad enough. Oh, my God. So there was one time, unfortunately, um, I think he was... So every morning he would he would be determined that today was the day he was going to try and go to school. Yeah. Because he was battling with himself. School is where you're meant to be. Yeah. It's the rule that you have to go to school. 
Yeah. But he's battling that side with the fact that as soon as he would put his leg in, in his school trousers, so he'd get up and go, right, mum, I'm going to go and have a shower and we're going to do this today. Even if I just go in for five minutes, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So, but as soon as he went to put his school uniform on, it, it just implode. And it just so happened, unfortunately, this day that his uniform happened to be downstairs and he imploded and he then went into these self-destructive panic thing. Yeah. And of course, where we were, the kitchen's just down the hall. So yeah. he could go and get his own knives today. Yeah. And I literally, I mean, I'm only five foot two myself. I'm, I'm not massive. So had to kind of go and rugby tackle him and sit on him in the kitchen until this panic attack stopped. Because I know if I'd have, if I'd have let him get to that kitchen drawer, yeah. that would have been it. And then as soon as it's over, it's all like, oh my God, mom, I'm so sorry I did that to you. I can't believe, it. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. There's that instant um, regret, you know, yeah. I know. It was a cry for help, but it was like the biggest shout for help yeah, yeah. that he could possibly do. And I just, it scares me to think that if if I hadn't been there in that split second, if I hadn't managed to catch him, yeah, I'd have been probably having a very different conversation today. Was he, when you first noticed maybe there was something different about him, mm. did you, how do you get it diagnosed did you was that a long process of yeah I mean again so we go back to infants we always knew and we we always said this with the greatest love he was our little weirdo right from the beginning (laughs) he wasn't your typical autistic kid he didn't line things up he didn't he did used to rock quite a bit as a baby but we just kind of assumed that he always wanted to be up on his feet So the sort of rocking was his way of kind of getting up. And when he was a toddler, we had to stop it because he'd sit on the sofa. He'd rock forward to be almost up on his feet and then swing backwards enough and hit the back of the sofa with enough power that it would tip the sofa up. (laughs) And he'd sit and do that for like five or ten minutes. And then he'd be like, all right, I'm fine now. Um, So, yeah, he was always he always looked at the world slightly differently. He always... We always knew his thought processes were a little, yeah, a little outside the box. He once said to me, we heard a cuckoo once. He was only about three or four. We heard a cuckoo once. And I said, oh, listen, listen, it's a cuckoo. You can hear it because it says cuckoo, cuckoo. And he just looked at me and went, oh, mum, isn't that bird clever? Why is that, son? Because whenever he came around with things like that, you were like, where's this going? Yeah. Why is that some shine? Well... It's learned to say its own name. <laughs> so his thought process wasn't, it's called a cuckoo because it makes a yeah. cuckoo noise. It was It was called a cuckoo, then it learned how to say cuckoo. <laughs> well. Yeah, so wherever you thought a conversation was going to go, that's very rarely where it went. Yeah. <laughs> I remember him coming home from juniors and um, they'd been doing about the Holocaust. They were doing about World War Two. They'd, and we knew we'd had a letter home saying, yes, we were going to do about the Holocaust. So when he walked in and he was like, oh, mum, we're going to have to have a word about Hitler. Oh, yeah. Like, right, okay. So I go and make myself a cup of coffee. I'm like, just wait a minute. I'll go and get you a snack. I'll go and get a coffee. Then we'll we'll sit and have a yeah. chat. I go and make myself a cup of coffee and I'm staring out the kitchen window thinking, 
how am I going to have this conversation yeah. with a six-year-old about why was it okay to yeah. kill all these people? And did it. so I'm like, I have no idea where, what I'm going to do. So I'll come back in the room and I'm, I sit down, I take that deep breath as you do. And I went, right then. So, so what, what is it about Hitler then that's bothering you? Have you seen his moustache more? <laughs> um, yeah. Have you ever seen it from the side? Because it's really thick if you look at it from the side. I'm like, yeah. Why did none of his friends ever tell him how stupid he looked? <laughs> and I said, well, was Hitler a good man or a bad man? Oh, he was a bad man, Mum. Do you not know what he did to the Jews? He was awful. He was a really, really horrible guy. And I said, yeah, yeah, I kind of know all that. And he went, and so I said, well, if you were one of his friends, would you have told him how stupid he looked with that moustache? And he just went, yeah, I get your point. And then just went off upstairs. <laughs> so you kind of knew that the way he saw the world was... yeah. Yeah, slightly different. So, but the one thing that used to worry us a lot was dress up days at school. He just would not get dressed up. He would literally just make himself a dead weight on the floor. Couldn't cope with dress up days at all. Yeah. But through infants, they'd always said, well, you know, some children don't like them. He'll grow out of it. And he had all these little quirks and we'd had him diagnosed with the um, dyslexia. And he was quite an emotional child. He would quite cry quite easily. But yeah. like sometimes at really weird times, it was more just that the emotions that he was feeling were just so big. The only way he could release it was to cry. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily a sad thing. He might be excited. He might be happy. Yeah. But yeah, he was quite, and he was quite a clingy child to me. Yeah. We had a lot of problems with separation anxiety. Okay. So again, it's your first child. It's your only child. So when a school says to you, he'll grow out of it. Yeah. yeah. You trust them, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So when we got into junior school and it was the first dress up day, um I he made me go into school he says you've got to go and tell me I can't remember her name now but is why three teacher don't don't forget we've got to go and tell Mrs so-and-so how I deal with dress updates because what yeah. he used to do is we'd buy an appropriate t-shirt and jeans so if it's superhero day we'd have a superhero t-shirt and jeans yeah the hard one was when I had to try and find a a t-shirt for a five-year-old with a realistic picture of Sir Isaac Newton on it. Because <laughs> it was about scientific heroes. And he wouldn't have a cartoon one. It had got to be a realistic one. It cost me £22 and I made him wear it until it literally fell to pieces. That's what you do with the day. So I go into this teacher's class. I should really remember her name because she was lovely. And I said to her, I said, you know, we've got we've got this issue. This is how we cope with it. And she says, oh, you know, again, kids don't like it. But once they get dressed up, once they get here, they're fine. I said, no, you're not getting this. He literally yeah. won't come into school that day if we cannot agree that this T-shirt, because it would make me take the T-shirt in and get teacher to check that it was OK. This is how his anxiety would would manifest itself. I said, so we're going to have to see the T-shirt. Then, you, you know, you check it, you tell him in front of him, you have to say it's okay because he won't trust me to, to pass the message on. And she said, okay, does he, does he do that about anything else? 
And I said, well, you know, maybe if we're in a pub and we've ordered chicken nuggets and chicken goujons come instead, he won't eat them. He loves chicken goujons, but he was expecting chicken nuggets. And if they're not chicken nuggets, then he won't eat them. And, you know, this is a problem and that's a problem. And, and yeah, yeah, you know, we have to we have to kind of a lot of our day is, is built around making sure he's going to be OK with what's going on. So we yeah. have to have plan A, B and C if we're going somewhere. And so if he wants to go to the park, we have to go, well, that's fine if the weather's OK. But let's get a plan together just in case it's raining, because I have had to spend days at parks in the pouring rain because I promised we could go to the park that day. Yeah. And changing that was too much to cope with. Wow. And he would go to the park in the rain because he yeah. loved the rain. Yeah. Um, and she basically said to me, she said, well, you do realise he should have grown out of that by now when they keep telling you that. And I said, right. And she said, do you think we really ought to kind of see somebody about this? So she then, through that, I got referred to the school nurse system, then on to the paediatrician. Um, we went to see somebody purely about anxiety. She dealt, that's that's what she dealt with. So you'd go and see, if, see her if they had SATS anxiety or things yeah. like that. And she was the one then that said, no, there's more to this. When you're telling yeah. me what he gets anxious about, there's definitely more to this. Yeah. So that's when we got referred to CAMS. But when you're looking at a couple of months between each of those stages yeah. and then getting referred to CAMS is, is months, months and yeah. months wait. I mean, now now it's somewhere around about two years. Yeah, yeah. It was better then. It was about six months. It took us about a year from end to end to yeah. get that, that report in our hands to actually say yes he's autistic but his pediatrician was very good and he actually wrote a letter to say although he doesn't have an official diagnosis just yet he has so many traits basically that you need to treat him as being autistic until it's proven wrong yes okay rather than waiting for it to be proven right yeah so he was really, really we've, we've been quite lucky in, in the professionals we've come across. I've heard some horror stories through the years. Yeah. We just happen to have had a really good bunch of professionals that have jumped through hoops to help us. Even his psychiatrist that he has now, uh, when we were doing the EHCP, if there was ever anything that we'd spoken about that wasn't written down on paper, I'd only got to email her and go, could you just do me a letter that says, yes, he does, you know, you've noticed this. Yeah in in um sessions and things like that and she would absolutely oh, good yeah yeah so so that's kind of when it happened so back in junior school so then what happens with when you presented the school with that is there do they take any kind of medication for anything not for autism not, no no what about for no, anxiety or did you choose not to medicate Again, when so when you get your autistic diagnosis from CAMS, it's basically, yes, your child's autistic, there's nothing we can do about it, bye. So you get signed <laughs> off from CAMS at that point. You get offered maybe a couple of kind of little courses that you can go on. But the more I've learned as we've gone along, the more I realise that those courses need looking at because none of them are run by autistic people. From what I can tell, they don't have any input from autistic people. It's what scientists think that autism is. Oh, right. Which is very different. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they're okay, but they don't, 
No, they don't. They don't really kind of they'll give you a broad overview of what it is. But you are basically left to it at that point because and I get it. There's nothing the NHS can do. Absolutely nothing. There's no medication that's going to help. Yeah. But is there any support? Like, what if you would say, I can't deal with this? Is there help? Do you know? I'm not sure. I don't think there is. When I hear the horror stories from, you know, friends and people that I've met through the support groups and things, as I say, these people that have got kids that are self-harming yeah, and are just told that, the you know, it's not bad enough to get onto the CAMS list. You are, I mean, you've got your GP, if you've got a great GP, yeah. and if you've got, again, I, I'm, I always encourage people to reach out to other parents. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't have, without the, the girls, the girls, the ladies I met at PAN, I wouldn't know half of what I know now. Yeah. I wouldn't even know any HCP was a thing. Yeah. Never mind that we could get one. You know, you are left out in the middle of nowhere. And it's up to you. And this yeah. is where a lot of a lot of problems can start with things like trying to find cures for autism. There is no cure yeah, for autism. Yeah, yeah. What is not. autism? So autism is it's a wiring, well, not even a problem. It's the way I like to explain it is it's like you have an iPhone and you have your Android phone. Yep. They both work on entirely different systems and they both work in entirely different ways. Yeah. But they both get there in the end. They both make yeah. phone calls and they both make texts. They just yeah. do it in their own way. Yeah. So in an, in a I'm going to say a neurotypical brain because this encompasses ADHD, Tourette's, um stammers, sensory processing disorder all all sorts of different things yeah it's actually a, a, a hard wire it's a hardware problem okay. your brain has just made different connections okay to a neurotypical brain yes yeah 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 and and actually you know there's a big there's a big sort of campaign to, to even change those words because there's probably as many neurodiverse people out there as there is neurotypical yes. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, we're trying to kind of work towards a society that encompasses all of them. So yeah. there's, there's a discussion about um, whether things like autism, ADHD should be classed as disabilities. Right, yeah. Now, you obviously get people that are that have a lot of complex issues so they'll have autism they'll have maybe some time some type of what's called global delay global development delay which is the over sort of umbrella term for for those that have suffered brain issues that maybe mean that they'll only ever be at the functioning age of 10 or 11 or five or six you know and you will get some for whom life, no matter how much life changes, society changes, they are always going to need care continually. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, really, we're talking about the people like myself, like James, like a lot of people I know who can function. Yep. So you then start to look at what's known as a societal disability. So yeah. the disability doesn't come from us. 
our brains aren't stopping us from yeah. from performing daily activities it's actually society that's stopping us so there's even people in wheelchairs for example who wouldn't necessarily see themselves as disabled because actually their workplaces are completely accessible their homes are completely accessible you know so they don't see themselves as disabled because they can carry on a life yeah like you or I can yeah you know with functioning limbs And and what we're kind of what my interest in is is trying to kind of get that idea out to people that just because somebody says they're autistic just because somebody says they've got ADHD it shouldn't be a problem it should be as easy as somebody saying to you do you know what I'm a bit grumpy in the morning so first when I first get to work just let me have my cup of coffee and things before you start talking to me yeah you know if you went into a job and said that your work colleagues would go yeah great no problem yeah you know it's just you it's just your thing you know yeah yeah and that's how ADHD and autism and neurodiversity should really be kind of looked at yeah you know that if you need an office in the corner with a a quieter light and maybe you need to wear your headphones at work yeah that should be it that should be fine yeah if that means that you can access work yeah you know that that should be as much of a conversation as you have to have yeah you know just like oh that's me that's how I need to work you see what yeah. I mean yeah no completely yeah completely. there's a, a guy in Sheffield there's a there's that you can actually do a degree in in autism at Sheffield University oh, wow. yeah and there's a guy there called oh gosh he's known for has gone completely out of my head oh I don't know it's come to me in a minute story anyway. of my life yeah <laughs> like what was so he um he's a fantastic speaker he's autistic himself all the people that run the course are autistic a lot of the people on the course are autistic and he said you know I didn't have to go to a GP to be diagnosed as gay yeah but I had to go to a GP to be diagnosed as autistic why won't people just believe that I'm autistic yeah do you know yeah yeah and I think that's a perfectly valid point if we could get up if we could even get to that stage of, I mean, really, even now, having to come out as gay shouldn't even be a yeah. thing anymore. It, it's nobody's business. Yeah. Yep. You never have to come out as straight, do you? So, yeah. But even if we could get to the point where people could just come out as autistic yeah. without needing that document from a psychiatrist yeah. saying this person's autistic. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, whether that all happened in my lifetime I've no idea well, it's, I mean <laughs> so. I think it's more of a conversation I think we're a lot more aware of stuff like that but we when we first spoke about doing this podcast we spoke about the ADHD yeah. didn't we hmm. um and now my friend she's 100% ADHD but she can't afford to pay for a diagnosis so no no you know well that's 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 the stage that I'm at so through doing all the deep dives and because I got obviously very obsessed with um, helping James the best way I could. Yeah. Because obviously, to my horror now, but at the time it made sense, my idea as a parent was that I had to change James to help him fit in with everybody else. Yes, yep. Now, I had to give James the tools to allow him to give him the confidence to self-advocate, to be able to change his area into something that made him comfortable yeah 
Okay, so, you know, it, it's, there's a very kind of twee meme that goes around with autism that is, I wouldn't change my child for the world, but I'd change the world for my child. Yeah. And take the tweeness out of that at its heart. That's absolutely what you need to do as a parent. Yeah, yeah. And again, it, it you know, it goes, it goes into should, should there be a cure for autism? I'm very much of a thing of, do you know what? I'm sure there's some people out there that wish their autism didn't, didn't exist. So for those people to have that choice, there needs to be, there needs to be research into a cure. I'm not saying a cure is needed. I said to James, you know, I say to James quite regularly, would you have your, you know, if, if I could give you a pill that would take the autism yeah. away, would you take it? And he's like, nah, because I don't know who I'd be if I didn't have yeah. the autism. And that's true. Well, I mean, if it is how your brain's wired, yeah. But, but at one point, the, I'm not saying there's anywhere near a cure on the table. Yeah. But at one point, we never would have thought you could rip somebody's heart out and replace yeah. it with a dead yeah, person, yeah. and that person could go on and live. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think it's important that that choice is given. Yes. Yeah. But I also don't believe it's a parent's choice to. I don't think it should be given until that child is 16, 17, 18. Yeah. It has to be a personal choice. Yeah. Um, I think a healthier way to look at it is to try and change society. Yeah. And to stop. There's a thing called masking, which is where an autistic person will literally burn out because they are wearing this mask of being normal. Yeah. So they go out in the morning and they put this mask of normality on. And again, I, I tr the way I can get my head around that is, is go back to the 40s and 50s when you'd got a lot of gay men that were entering into marriages. Yeah, yeah. That weren't real. Yeah. They were trying their absolute hardest to be normal. They were yeah. having kids. They were, you know, they were getting married. And unfortunately, yeah. at that point, you know, the suicide rate amongst 30-year-old men at that point yeah. was horrendous. And it's the same with autism. You're far likely to lose your child to suicide. Yeah. I had no and idea. Yeah, the suicide rate amongst neurodivergent people is horrific. Yeah. And it's purely because society wants them to fit in and they yeah. can't. It's too hard. You know, it's like you pretending, having to pretend each and every day that you are not the person you are. Yeah, yeah. That you're, I don't know. I mean, spin it the other way around. If you had to go outside every day and pretend you were a Nazi, how the hell would you cope with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like being an undercover cop, but 24 hours a day. Yeah. 365 days a year. Oh my God, well, that would drive you mad, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would absolutely. And that's why, that's where the anxiety, the mental yeah. illness you know, the mental health issues come in. It's not from the autism. The autism is not the cause of that. Yeah. Society is yes. the cause of yeah. that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So what, what happened then? So obviously he didn't go to school for three years. They had the wonderful day out where they invited his bully. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that was the Fabulous. end of the activity. So then what else, what happened after that day? So... We had the three years. He just basically, he just shut down completely. He very rarely came out of his bedroom. He just locked himself in there with his Xbox. And all we could do as parents and was give him that space. Yeah. 
I drew, I absolutely drew a line, especially after the um, the attempt to take his life. Yeah. I just went, I'm not doing this. I am not, I don't care if I have to go to jail for it. Yeah. I am not forcing my child into a situation that makes him so upset that he would rather die. Yeah. And yeah. no law, no fine, nothing is going to make me do that. Yeah. Because... <laughs> I mean, it, it strikes me as absolutely ludicrous that that that's even a thing, you know, that, that I would even feel, be made to feel that way. Did anyone pressure you into it or did they kind of accept it and not it say was anything? It was a very gentle pressure. Um, but in the end, I did turn around because I'm quite, I'm quite forthright. I'm quite a, a fierce little mama bear when I, I need to be. Yeah. And I quite honestly said that to them. I said, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And luckily... They were, they were understanding. All the all the people that I had anything to do with had kids of their own, yeah, and kind of got it when I put it in that in that thing. So there was a lot of hoops we used to have to jump through. So the um, attendance officer used to have to come round once a week. Luckily, we literally live about two minutes away from school, so she just okay. come, pop round on a lunchtime. Um, James wouldn't come downstairs. The only thing he'd do is actually stand at the top of the stairs. Yeah. And so she'd stand at the front door because she didn't want her in the house because she was too related to school. Yeah. Um, so, and she would shout up saying, James, are you all right, sweetheart? And James would go, yeah, I'm fine. It's all right. <laughs> My mum's not tried to kill me this week, so it's all right. Because <laughs> we'd explain to him why she needed to come round. Because it yeah. was to make sure he was okay. Because yeah, obviously yeah. you get the horrendous situation yes, when yes. they're not. Yeah, yeah. So his way of doing coping with that was making a joke out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Mum's not killing me. It's okay. Yeah. So that's what we had to do. Had um, you told but, them that he tried? He had an attempt on yeah, his own. Yeah. I, I literally, my mum came round straight away, um, and because James James had this massive panic attack and then basically just went to sleep. It it okay. literally drained him. Yeah. So while he was asleep, I was still shaking like this. I was in a mess. So I went straight round to school because it's the only place I could think of to go to this SEND teacher, to his his um, pastoral head and just yeah. go, I, I just need to see them. I can't I can't explain to you. I just need to see them. Yeah. And they were superb. And they said, right, get onto cams straight away. He was always he was already on the cams waiting list for anxiety, but we had been warned it would be anything up to 18 months before we could see somebody. Right. So CAMS has a, an emergency hotline, if you like, and I rang yeah. them and they were superb. I just literally sat in my car in the school car park, sobbing down the phone because I didn't want to do it at home because I didn't want James to, yeah. to kind of realise what had happened because I knew he would blame himself for upsetting me. Yeah. Um, and they said, well, they said, we are, we're there for in the moment, so if he'd have barricaded himself into the kitchen with the knife, yep. threatening to do something, I would ring the cams hotline. They would come round straight away. Okay, yep. Because the moment had passed, they weren't the people I needed to speak to. She said, but one thing I can do for you is I will expedite your referral to cams. I can yep. see where you are. I found you on the list. You're still a, a, a way away. But I will put you now on an emergency footing. Okay. So it took it took him trying to take his own life for us to get into sea camps. Okay. Quite frankly. So within six weeks, 
Okay. We'd, we'd got to camps. But that's and still, if you imagine if your child was trying well, to do that every day, yeah, I, that's I mean, six weeks still, of doing that every day. Well, the fact that <laughs> they're like... wasn't. Well, because he's not actually done it and he's not still not trying to, then we can't help you right now. I mean, that whole thing of that's, yeah. they literally have to... Can you imagine being that person on the phone saying, I can't Oh, they are. You. Honestly, they, um, they're amazing people. And I don't want to get political. Yeah. But child mental health services are fucked. They yeah, have yeah. been, you know, they have had money taken away from them left, right and centre. Yeah. Um, and with more and more children, especially after COVID, yep. more and more children coming out with these things and being recognised, which is a good thing, because yeah. I think yeah. I think there's probably a lot of kids that are in juvenile detention. I think there's probably a lot of un- young adults that are in, in prisons and things now because they weren't understood as kids, yep. you know, that they started to play truant from school because it was too traumatic to go to. And therefore, you end up in the wrong yeah. crowd, and you end up in yeah. problem. Yeah, you know. So, I think it's always been there. I just think we're we're a bit more kind of recognising it a bit more now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we went to see cams. Cams were lovely. Um. And very very soon, we did have a meeting with school. With well, there was the the SEN, the head teacher, his pastoral head is cams worker myself and I actually took my mum with me just for a bit of backup because by this time you're so used to having to fight for everything yeah ringing writing literally putting things as plainly as possible be not trying not I was never well I always used to try not to be antagonistic but I would always say whatever you're about to offer me, if it's got anything to do with bringing James back into this building, I'm not doing it until yeah. he's right. Yeah. You can you can say it so you can tick your box, but yeah. it's not going to happen. I can tell you now. Yeah. Until he's got the help he needs, he is not setting foot back in that building. So I'd gone to this meeting waiting for that same fight. Yeah. Um, and... Within two sentences, which was Miss Milovich, the, the SEN saying, I think James needs to be away from school on long term, basically long term sick. Yeah. But there's only the CAMS worker can do that. Ailey is CAMS worker, then looking up and going, I have no problem with that. Yeah. Suddenly I was like, oh, I was here for a fight. <laughs> um, <laughs> literally walked out with my mom and went, what can I fight with you about now? Please can we just have a fight in the car. <laughs> it was it was so bizarre. I just got all this energy and all this stuff I wanted to say, and they just kind of did it all in two sentences. So that was astonishing. That was yeah. amazing. That was a brilliant day. And again, apart from the fact that the attendance officer had to keep coming round, we had to attend cams, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the way. It, it went for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Does he have about work to do at home. We have something we had something called the out of school out of school teacher, I think she was. It was Oost. O double O S T is Oost support okay. worker. So she would come down, she would come round a couple of times a week. School have to pay for that. She'd send us work to do every day. But again, it soon became obvious that 
even that was too much yeah even it would just he'd do it he'd try his hardest would get maybe half an hour out of him and then two hours of just complete exhaustion yeah maybe maybe a meltdown but two hours of issues afterwards and it just got to the point where it wasn't worth it yeah she used to come round and we'd play things like scrabble or jenga or just anything to keep it to keep some sort of timetable going yeah and try and keep the game so that they were at least it was at least working on maybe his hand-eye coordination yeah or his spellings a little bit or whatever um but eventually that kind of peter anyway covid covid hit well no actually we then discovered um his new school utc which was the it's a they're sort of sort of set up a bit like a technical college but you can access them from year nine okay and so we found out that there he would do maths english and science gcse's but then you could choose a speciality on top of that so rather than doing loads of gcse's he couldn't see the point in yep because they are stubborn he is a stubborn monkey he's got to be able to see the point in anything which i kind of get yeah it was like, Mom, I don't like foreign food, so I'm never going to go to France, so why do I need to learn French? And as a parent, you're sat there going, um, don't know, <laughs> literally can't, can't, no. Um, so, but we discovered UTC where he could do digital media as like a BTEC type thing. Yeah. So instead of doing all that, he'd do his master's English science and then he could do things like his photography GCSE, his art GCSE, and then this BTEC in kind of digital media and anything from game development to website development to music video That's making. amazing. Astonishing place. Absolutely brilliant. And we, so this was the start of year nine. So we went in. They knew that he'd not been to school really for that for year eight so they didn't put any pressure on him at all to have to go there five days a week straight away so I think we've we eventually built it up to about three days a week okay yeah so we'd gone back in the September managed about five weeks and then somebody in his year caught COVID and it was at that time where if somebody did that the whole year had to yes stay off yeah, that was on the Thursday. Um, we spoke to school, realised that the person who'd caught COVID, he wouldn't have had anything to do with. Yeah. So we went to stay with my mum for a couple of months. Mum and dad, they only live just around the corner. But just for childcare, because they, yeah. my dad's disabled, he was in our bubble and James is in their bubble. Yeah. Um, so he went to go and stay with them for a couple of days. Decided he was going to stay over the weekend because they treat him like little Lord Fauntleroy <laughs> and whatever age he was, 13. Of course you want your nan running up and downstairs bringing your fizzy pop. Yeah. So we said, fine, but that means you're going to have to stay Monday, Tuesday. Not a problem. So Monday night comes. I'm an osteopath. My husband's a driving examiner. So yeah. we're both in the middle of the public. Yeah. We sat on the sofa watching telly and we're both kind of like... <coughs> <laughs> but starting to take the mickey out of every out of each other going oh that's it oh you've got covid oh. 
didn't think anything of it until Tuesday morning when my husband woke me up and went, how are you feeling? I went, well, apart from the fact you've woke me up at six o'clock on, <laughs> on the morning, I'm actually not feeling that great. Booked the COVID tests. Yeah, we'd both got COVID. Yeah. So that then meant that he'd got to stay over with my mum and dad for two weeks, which he was yeah. not expecting. Um, but by the end of the first week, his anxiety had got so bad that he had decided that we hadn't let him come home because his dad had died. He'd killed his dad by bringing COVID home from school. Oh, my God. And even though, even though his dad was spending time playing Xbox with him online in the evening to try and, you know, um, sort of reassure him that everything was okay, he had decided we were paying somebody to do that and that they'd got a voice changer on their Xbox oh that was making God. it, making him sound like his dad. Now you te- you talk to James about that now, and he thinks that's hilarious because he knows that there's no way that yeah. could happen. But when you've got anxiety, yeah, 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 it just it throws you off the edge of the cliff before you even know where you are. And he was always a, a catastrophizer. It was always going to be the worst case scenario. Yeah. So, of course, after that, he wasn't going back to school because there was no way he was bringing COVID home. So that was him out of it altogether. And it it wasn't until... But obviously, COVID was awful anyway. So school... And it wasn't until they were starting to look at kids coming back into school because it wasn't long after that before they closed the school's down altogether oh okay so this was at the very start of covid yeah this was it was september 2020 september october 2020 okay right at the very beginning yeah um so yeah after that he was not going back to school yeah and and the whole concept of school became so traumatic that we couldn't even mention the word in the house and he'd, otherwise he'd just get into a panic attack and that'd be it, he'd be gone. So, so the Senko at his new school got in touch and said, well, to be absolutely honest with you, he's not really been to school since Y7. Yeah. We're looking at going into the start of GCSE years. Yeah. He's got so much to catch up. We actually don't know where to put him if he did come back. Yeah. We have no idea where we would put him. And I was so glad for that honesty. Yeah. Because I was wondering that as well. Yeah. You know, because by then you've not even got, you've lost all that background that builds you up to what you then need to learn for GCSE. Yeah. You've not got that grounding at all. And that's when we did the EHCP, which took us six months to sort out. Um, we also had to have a fight because of the school I wanted him to go into. But he's now at a fantastic school, um, half about half an hour's drive away, um, that is actually a, a riding stables. And the school is actually a set of porter cabins in the stable yard. Yeah. So it's about as it's about as non-schooly as it could possibly yeah. look. Okay. 
Um, it's now it doesn't function as a riding stables anymore, but they've still got all the horses that they had when it was a riding stables. They're actually now more into they're trying to they're in part of a breeding program for a rare breed of um, a bit more like a, a bit like an Exmoor pony, you know the new the new forest ponies. So okay. they've got quite a few of those as well. So basically, the kids can do maths, English, and science there. Yeah. Um, but it's linked in a lot with going and feeding the horses, going to do stable yard work, going to feed the chickens, yep. go for a walk. They've got 40 acres. Wow. So as part of their um, timetable, there is obviously maths, English, science. There's no, there's no sort of, it's not taken for granted that you'll do GCSEs. If you don't, yep. you don't. Yeah. they'll facilitate it if you want to if the chi- if the kid themselves actually says i want to have a go at that yeah they, they can facilitate that but there's no expectation of that that's where that's what you'll do at the end of year 11 yeah you see what i mean so yeah. that takes that out of the he'll come at, at the least they'll come out with some bits of paper that say they can read write and adult yeah yeah um but my th- my idea about education now is he's 15 he's got a lot of life to go yet yeah. and as soon as he kind of finds where his happy place is going to be whatever it is he feels he wants to do at that point he's going to be far more motivated to go out and get those GCSEs he yes. needs yeah he can do them at the local college he can do them yeah. wherever yeah it's not a problem there's no absolutely no reason why you absolutely have to have your GCSEs by the time you're 16. Yeah. There's nothing written down anywhere. It's yeah. just, that's the way it's worked out. Yeah. So, and they absolutely do um, concentrate entirely on the mental health of the child. Yeah. So even if he was in a maths class, for example, and he was getting a bit overwhelmed by it, he can just get up, find a TA or one of the, he's actually all right to go into the stables not on his own but go and find one of the stable girls um and just ask him if there's some jobs to do or can he groom his favorite horse is magpie and it's going to kill me for not knowing the other one um but yeah he can just go can i just groom magpie for a bit and you know one of the tas will come out and, and they'll have a chat actually while they're doing that yeah so there's that sort of equine therapy thing going on at the same time. And he is, I can't tell you, he's been there since just before Easter. Yeah. And he said to me about two weeks ago, he came up to me and went, Mum, I don't want to frighten you. And I was like, oh, Jesus, here we go again. I don't want to frighten you, but I'm really missing school and I can't wait till I go back. <laughs> and that's the first time in 15 years he has ever said that. Wow, oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah. How often does he go there? At the minute, he's there two days a week. Okay. We also go on, so he goes Tuesdays, Wednesday morning, we go to something called Sparky Inc., which is a digital um, arts studio in the town near where we live. But school count that as a school um, attendance. And then he goes to school in the afternoon. Um, So there he gets, again, does anything from digital art to stop frame animation to the things that make him happy, basically games design all sorts yep. of stuff so is that what um, he's into yeah yeah, yeah. He, he loves his art and he loves it's just but even that it's like it's like i can't do it to relax though mum because he gets so frustrated that what's in his head is not what comes out on the paper okay. and we're having to work really hard at kind of saying to him yeah but that's because you need to practice yeah 
you know, he sees a lot of these YouTube videos where graffiti artists will go, and it looks amazing. Yeah. And what you don't see is the other hundred ones that went really wrong first. And the years that they've been practicing for as well. Yeah. So we're working a lot on that at the moment. Um, So yeah, I can see him going into something like that, but he would want to do, he loves, he loves gaming. He's got friends, friends all over the world as far as gaming is concerned. Um, and we've never limited that time because that's his happy place. Yeah. You know, he enjoys that. Yeah. Um, and it's his way of being social because there's no face-to-face yeah. stuff going on. It's all in your ears. So yeah. it's fine. Um, but yeah, he he would want to, he wouldn't necessarily want to come up with the idea of the game, although he does have some ideas. And he definitely doesn't want to get involved in the programming because as he goes, he says, Mom, I find it hard enough to write in English. I'm never going to be able to do computer stuff because uh, of the dyslexia. Um, but what he would love to do is be the one that gets the mood boards together as to how the characters might look, how the background might be, have yeah. a look at the music, have a look. So he, he'd really want to kind of deal with the feel of a, a yeah. game. See what I mean? Yeah, so whether yeah. it's be a dark and sinister thing or a light and silly thing or, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. That's what he'd, he'd love to. But I can equally see him working um, for, for like the RSPCA or something like that because he just has such a, an affinity with animals now as well. Yeah. But whatever he wants to do, he'll do. Yeah. You know? But yeah. all I can say now is he is, I'm so pleased he's a happy boy. Yeah, so that's a lovely Vanessa. Like I said, if you want to get in touch with either of us, please do. If you have any guest suggestions for me, or if you would like to come on and talk to me, I'd love that. Get in touch. Please share the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Um, because then you just get it. You haven't got to look for it. I mean, that's that saves you five minutes. But yeah, I hope you're good. Work. Stay safe, stay sane. Big love. Sorry I'm drugged up Work. and rambling. <laughs> but yeah, I'll see Work. you next week for part two. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.